The Athletic. The teams that came up that season were West Ham and Swindon Town. Yeah, no, yeah. Hoddle Swindon, they were really good. Was they Hoddle were playing as a, as a player yeah. manager at the time as well? Yeah, yeah. Dropped himself into the, into the middle of a back three and just decided to play like Franz Beckenbauer. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and coming up on this week's show... Survival confirmed, a heart full of goals and a huge three points against Leicester. We look back on Friday's massive win. Steve Bruce flapping his gums on TalkSport and Mike Ashley decrying the dark forces that are holding the club back. We look at all the news from another bizarre week in Newcastle United land. We go back to May 1993 in the archives and the 7-1 thrashing of Leicester City at St James's Park. And the quiz is back, and this week your hostess with the mostess is uh, Christopher Waffles, who is age 13 and from Newcastle. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing? Are you good? I'm a little bit concerned that dark forces are hanging over this podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, they're always hanging over the bloody quiz. They are. The same dark forces that didn't do the dishes this morning when I got up. The bastards. They're always, doing, they're always up to something, aren't they? How are you, George? Are you good? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. We're safe, so therefore, you know, come on. Brilliant. We are safe. We are How safe. are you, Taylor? Um, I'm okay, you know, Chris. I'm all right. The weather's been a bit up and down, hasn't it? And uh, this week I uh, decided to we'd do up my backyard, so make it all nice for the summer, and got a barbecue and a gazebo. Is that a euphemism? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> got a barbecue and a gazebo and some seating and stuff and a fire pit, and it promptly pissed it down for three days. It was great. If you want to do up your backyard, please try manscaping. Manscaping, um, yeah. <laughs> and your front yard as well. Absolutely. Well, chaps, just before we crack on with uh, with the podcast, uh, I've got enough time to tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. So you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Chris, have you got anything interesting in the pipeline? Well, I did a piece, which obviously we'll discuss more about Leicester City, the game, the Newcastle's magnificent victory, and sort of almost, it was both a positive piece, but also sort of almost trying to just express anger at the fact that Newcastle can be so abysmal one week and then inexplicably so brilliant the following week and why there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, (laughs) So there's a piece on that. And then also, I've done a bit of a ranty column about Mike Ashley and Dark Forces and how, really, uh, he can talk about Dark Forces, but as we all know, there's only been really one... The darkest of Dark Forces of Newcastle United over the last 14 years has been one man and one man only, and that is Mike Ashley himself. So those are up on The Athletic at the moment. It's all gone a bit Star Wars, hasn't it? Dark Forces, indeed. Uh, George, how about you? Uh, anything interesting at the minute? You're doing a little bit of work with Mr. Alan Shearer at the moment, aren't you? Yes, a couple of things with uh, a couple of things working at the minute. So, Athletic subscribers were asked last week to try and name their squad for the England squad for the Euros, um, and so Alan's uh, Alan's had a go at doing that as well. So, I'm, I've uh, I've been chatting to him about that. I was actually at Leeds. 
uh, at the weekend. So mm. I'm watching Newcastle on the Friday night. Went to Leeds, filling in for our Brill uh, Leeds writer Phil Hay, who's off at the moment. Get well soon, Phil, if you're listening. Um, and God, it was just great. It was great. Um, I mean, I think one of the kind of real sadnesses of this season is that we've not had the chance to sort of witness Elland Road in its full Absolutely, part. I'm yeah. sure we've all got horror stories about visiting <laughs> Leeds as away yeah. fans. I mean, I know how I have, but it's still, it's just one of those great northern bare pit arenas. Proper football ground, isn't it? Proper football ground, proper yeah. fans. And Jesus Christ, the way that team play football. I mean... I'm sure that the stuff I wrote about was not was not necessarily very very original, but it just feels to me like Bielsa. I mean, we know that he's always talked about this as this kind of quirky but innovative coach, but really he's made mm. Leeds Leeds again. I think that's the sort of beauty of what he does. The way Absolutely, they're so yeah. aggressive, they're so ferocious, they're in your face, and it was kind of very good to see them um, tearing into into Tottenham as well. Um, yeah, thoroughly. Thoroughly enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, can't wait till um, the prospect of New- Newcastle going to Ellen Road in front of the full house is a very, very enticing. Scary. Yeah, I would love to see a Bielsa's Newcastle to, just to see how they play, how they would, uh, how he would approach this team. You know, just to see what he could get out of them. I, I, I think they're an astonishingly uh, exciting football team to watch. They, I, I was actually watching them the other night as well, and it, I was knackered watching it. Oh no, they're exhausting. They're exhausting yeah. to watch. You you don't actually know where to look. I mean, I think that's the thing. And they just run. They just run and run and run. And yeah. that's not to say that they haven't got kind of great talent because they do. But it's just that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know they were they they go they go ahead and then they they keep running. They keep running at you and they do leave space behind. So there's always like that sort of chance. But when they're playing like they did against Spurs it's that chance is an illusion because um they just keep coming at you and they come at you until you until you make a mistake but it's it's yeah great to watch I really enjoyed that I was you had an interesting view from the press box didn't you George (laughs) yeah I did yeah I had a big set of stairs I had a big uh (laughs) set of stairs up to the gantry in the way so maybe my enthusiasm was only based on the fact that I could see half the pitch I don't know (laughs) Sounds cool. She could watch Newcastle like that, to be honest. It might make things a bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, those pieces from Chris and George uh, on theathletic.com right now. So get yourself over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to take advantage of the 40% off a full subscription discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Right then, lads. The Leicester game. Chris, best performance of the season so far? What do you think? Yes, very much so. Certainly for 80 minutes, I, th- I think it was the best performance of the Steve Bruce era, given the sort of opposition, given the, I suppose, I suppose lack of expectation going into the game, which is the piece that, that I sort of wrote afterwards. Is it, so it was the opposite. What was so frustrating about Arsenal was that we allowed, as George mentioned last week, we allowed ourselves to sort of anticipate that Newcastle may go out and perform well, and they absolutely <laughs> bombed. And then at Leicester, it was the complete opposite, because they've been yeah. so bad against Arsenal, and given the opposition they were going to play... I don't think anyone had any expectations. I drove down yeah. to the King Power Stadium, and on Friday it was it was funny because um, actually uh, Thomas uh, Concannon, uh, who's um, a member of the NUST, I know quite yes. well. I'd been exchanging messages with him on Friday, and he'd sort of said, "Are you going to observe the three goal rule? And when the third goal goes in, are you going to leave?" Talking about Leicester, and when the third Newcastle goal went in, he texts us saying, "Have you left the ground yet?" <laughs> but can I, before you carry on with that, Chris, before you carry, I mean, I think you actually make a good point. I spent I spent about. 
20 minutes, 25 minutes in that first half feeling irritated. And I know that sounds like a sort of almost ungrateful, but as you said, I'd look forward to Arsenal. I'd look yeah. forward to Arsenal after the game. It was like, oh, great, you know, there's a free hit, Arsenal is shit, you know, we can have a go, it'll be good. And then was thoroughly sort of dejected. And then so for Leicester, my only expectation was that we'd get stuffed. And so I didn't anticipate, I didn't have that sense of anticipate t- anticipation about us doing well. And so thought, when we start, it's like, you can't even let me do misery properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I watched that game with very much the same with very much the same feelings in that first half. I was just thinking, how bipolar is this football team? We, you know, one minute we're we're absolutely god awful, and then the next minute we're playing like this, and we're we're putting four goals past a team in the top three, and and we look like we could beat anyone. What what the hell is going on with this football club? It's it's frustrating as a fan to see that because I just think if the consistency could be there, I mean, you don't expect to win every week. And you don't expect to beat teams like Leicester and Arsenal every week. You don't. You are going to lose games in a league season. That's just the way it goes. But you watch those games and you think, why can't we find some level of consistency? What is it that's stopping us from doing this, Chris? What is it? Is it the way the the the, the club set up? Is it the way the the squad are playing? Is it the tactical approach? Is it? I don't know. Is it the attitude? Is it the the, the fact that we're pulling towards the end of the season now? Why can't Newcastle hold it together for more than a couple of weeks? I think there are myriad reasons, and I, I wish I could I wish I could put my finger on it. That was basically mm. the, the, I didn't really come to a I conclusion about piece on perfectly honest because it's, it's almost impossible because you just you just you just don't know what the, what the sort of issues are, and that's. But I mean, we're talking about it to to a certain degree in negative sense, but it was it was brilliant to see, oh, and it was, it was so yeah, it was, great. It was yeah, the yeah, way it was that. It wasn't just the fact because because people talk about oh sometimes Newcastle just sit off and let, allow the opposition, but it was. They let Leicester have the ball, but then on the occasions they got the ball, they attacked with precision, with purpose. And the way that they unsettled Leicester, and undoubtedly Johnny Evans getting injured affected Solanchu, oh, and then that sort, of, that sort of affected the rest of the Leicester team, and, and, they, and they weren't at their best in that sense. But Newcastle made it difficult for them. That was because the front four pressed really high, and I thought that Willock... From the start, it was a there was a few things where people were saying our oh, Sean Longstaff's a bit unlucky to be dropped, and I think in many ways he was. But you mm. could see what Willock brought, and the, and the way that, that 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 he wins the ball, the way he drives forward with possession, the way he gets into the box, really unsettled Leicester, and it seemed to bring out the best in Callum Wilson as well, because suddenly there's several threats coming forward, and the best bit of all, really for me, was actually that Alan Sam Maximan wasn't relied upon for once. Newcastle showed that they can play, even when Alan Sam Maximan isn't at his very best, Newcastle can cause problems, and they were excellent going forward. I mean, So Yunchu looked like he hadn't even considered the fact he was in a football game until about 25 minutes in, did he? He just, he was all over the place. And I think, like you say, that the, the Johnny Evans injury uh, absolutely affected him. And I, it was great seeing Willock blast forward and get that goal at the start, George, wasn't it? It was, it was a lovely finish. He's done really well. And he adds that level of dynamism in the midfield that we've probably been missing over the last few weeks. Oh, definitely, definitely. And and far beyond that as well. No, it's that thing about the consistency. It's so interesting, that. It's like if you've ever played golf, it's, a, it's that sensation of, all right, I'm totally shit at this game. I've scuffed them all along the <laughs> floor. And I'm not talking about... I'm not talking to someone who's a golfer, but you then do one good shot and somehow you kind of come away f- from that thinking, well, that's how good I actually am. I'm but buying really, a set of clubs next week. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. Yeah, yeah. You, you've actually done 100 shots and you've done one good, but yeah. you, you sort of come away f- thinking that's how good I could be. And you look at Newcastle and there's no... I mean, 
you know, they're they're a they're a they're a lower half Premier League team. I mean, we know that. But to go from Arsenal to Leicester makes no sense at all. That's not that's not inconsistency. That's something far. That swing is far bigger than that. Um, and that is the thing that's you know that's the thing that's difficult to explain. I mean, if you look over the course of results, you know, particularly since Brighton, you know, it's worth it's worth repeating again. You know, having been there, um, I was pretty sure that we would be talking about Newcastle going to Fulham on the last day of the season, um, with it all to you know with it all to play for. And thank thank goodness that is not the case. If you look at if you look at those games since then, you take Arsenal out of it, it's been it's been impressive and it's been encouraging. And you've got lots of you know you've got lots of people to give praise to aside from the coaching staff who you know for obvious reasons they take. They have to take credit when results when results go go well. But you know you're talking about players, obviously like Wilson coming back and St. Maxim out, obviously really important. Willock's goals, then Willock coming into the team, then Richie, then Murphy, Dubravka as well, Dubravka, all those players. But all of those players, more or less, have been involved in the whole. You know, have been involved. Were involved in Arsenal as well. So it's it's I don't know. It's they're very difficult to to make sense of. But just that feeling of finding it enjoyable to watch a 90 minute game of football is 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 has been such a rarity and I do actually include the last 10 15 minutes in that because they sort of made it exciting and they made, they did make us think um, oh god it, oh no 4142 it's yeah, so, here we go uh, so there was a bit of newcastle sort of style jeopardy which I kind of quite enjoyed as well like like George said there, Joe Willock, fantastic Paul Dummett first goal in 5 years Chris well, that's a bit of a ball out of the blue isn't it and Matt Ritchie continuing his good form as well with assists. Uh, and lovely to see Callum Wilson back amongst the goals as well, but now unfortunately ruled out of the last three games with a, with a hamstring injury. But great to see him scoring, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if I deal with Wilson first, it was... Again, I think Joe Litton's played better in recent weeks, but just the difference that when Callum Wilson comes into the side and the difference just to, to what Newcastle have had over the last few years, having that proper centre forward, he's very clever in his, his movement. He, is. he always makes it difficult for defenders. And his, his coolness when he finishes, and it, I mean, there's that interview afterwards, which where he comes across as really arrogant, but also it's sort of what you want in a striker. Yeah. Where he, he, just said, he just said, yeah, it's trademark Wilson. And it's like... What? <laughs> just talking about his own finish, yeah. and he's referred to himself as Wilson, and it's just uh, the the coolness to go around the keeper for the first, and the second one, the finish where the ball comes back and the angle is so narrow, and he just sticks yeah. up his left foot and, and just puts it back in, absolutely Great. brilliant. And what a ball from Richie as well for, for to to put him away. Incredible. Oh, I mean, Richie again showed the impact he has had since he's come back into the team in terms of his leadership, in terms of what talent telling people to do. I mean, there was at one point where I think in the, in, in the first half, he, if you could listen on the, the cameras where he basically told, uh, I think it was Willick to, to F and shoot at one point because he, <laughs> he wanted, and that's just the sort of drive you, would, you get you? from, you well, 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 exactly. That, that's the, that's the, that's the sort of drive that, 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 that he brings, that Matt Ritchie brings in all, but also the delivery. I mean, obviously he got the assist for Paul Dummett as well. If, if Callum Wilson had been injured three weeks ago, I think we would all have been alarmed. It's still not ideal that he's going to miss the last three games of the season. And it's a bit concerning that he's got another hamstring problem. Don't know exactly if it's a tweak of the same one, although when he did suffer the initial injury, the information that, that we received from, from people close to Wilson was that really eight weeks was so very ambitious for him to be back. And so perhaps he's just been able to be nursed through this. 
hopefully has the, the summer off if he doesn't go to the Euros, as it doesn't look likely that he will, and then he can come back fully fit for the start of next season. Because when Callum Wilson is in the Newcastle side, they are an entirely different proposition to when he isn't. Yeah, it's obviously it kind of it also rules out any tiny hope that there would have been of him forcing his way into the England squad. I don't think that was ever on the cards, to be honest. But um, in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But um, but yeah, and it's you know we we know that he injured himself during the closing stages stages of the Leicester game. I mean, it's a bit you know he did stay on for the full ninety minutes, which isn't great. Um, but um, you know, so but we don't know. We don't sort of know any other details at this at this point. Newcastle had used up their three substitutes, but only only by the very end. Um, you would sort of hope that that would be you know that he'd be erring on the side of caution after being out so, out so long with a with a hamstring. But but uh, anyway, yeah, get well soon. Get well soon to Callum because he's uh, absolutely integ- integral to this team. <laughs> Uh, without uh, a week's full of absolutely ridiculous news coming out. Uh, let's start with uh, Steve Bruce's appearance on Talk Sport, which has got a lot of fans uh, chatting away on social media and the like. Um, this is the, the main quote that has uh, picked up the, the most traction from that interview. Uh, Steve said, uh, here's the big thing. Newcastle in the last 14 to 15 years have been in the bottom half of the Premier League. We would all love to see Newcastle United being back to signing the Alan Shearers of the world uh, for world record fees, but that just isn't going to happen. It is difficult managing the expectation that is obviously still there. Chris, I'm going to go to you first on this because I, oh, I'm not I'm not keen on that quote. I don't like it very much. Go, Chris. Well, I was listening to the to the interview uh, yesterday morning, and not only was it difficult enough because I don't know if Steve Bruce was walking his dog or something outside, but the signal was terrible and it was very windy in the background. Um, but yes, the the. For for large parts of it, I mean, he said some things which may have may have frustrated people, but on the on the whole, he could have said right, he's sort of defending his own corner, he's bringing it across. But then when he brought up the expectation, when he used that word, which is always a dangerous word, particularly, I mean, a lot of Newcastle fans and I entirely understand why, because you often get pundits on TV or ex managers, particularly like the likes of Graham Souness and Sam Allardyce, who talk about this expectation this word that they seem to associate with Newcastle fans, as if they still expect to be the entertainers of, of, of 95, 96, as if they think they should be challenging for the Premier League every year, which is just such a misrepresentation of the reality of what Newcastle fans feel. I mean, there is no expectation among Newcastle fans at the minute, other than they would like to be able to believe that their football club could be better. They want to feel connected to their football club. And that hasn't been the case for, for a long while, primarily because of because of Mike Ashley's ownership, but also um, over the last year, they've, they've seen Newcastle when when last summer it was talk of, uh, Bruce was talking about top 10, progressing, and then for large parts of this season, albeit given all of the caveats of COVID and injuries and the like, Newcastle have basically been battling for Premier League survival and well done to everyone for turning that around and getting there early, but I don't think that I don't think it's, it was an unrealistic expectation of Newcastle fans to believe that Newcastle should have been playing better, have more of an identity, been higher up the table this year, and not have having to relied on the situation they're in. Given that the head coach himself had said last summer that the goal was to try and push up the table, 
and I just I, th- I thought it was a strange own goal that he, that he set himself and he sometimes does this where you'll say things and on the back of such a positive win on Friday I just thought it was a, it was an unnecessary comment I don't think he meant it I don't think it was meant in an incendiary sort of way but unfortunately that clumsy sort of language has had exactly that effect yeah I, I listened to that and I just thought you know does, does he speak to does he speak to Newcastle fans does he I mean we, we are the least demanding fans in the world I think I think you know no, no domestic trophy since nineteen fifty-five. No major honour since nineteen sixty-nine. We, we, God Almighty, we, we don't expect much, you know. It's a little bit of hope, and 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 we're all over it. We showed that with Rafa Benitez. We finished tenth and thirteenth. We were happy as pigs and shit. What's the matter with us? You know, we we were all over it. You give us something to grab onto, something to latch onto, and we will go with it. Newcastle United is the easiest sell in the world. I've said this a number of times on this podcast. Mike Ashley has got the easiest job in the world to sell Newcastle United to its fans because we want to believe. We want to believe that there's something there. We want to believe that the club is ambitious, that it's going forward, that it's progressing. But then you hear these lazy stereotypes about fans every single fucking week without fail. We get it. Is it Rio Ferdinand? Is it, you know, Harry Hands, uh, Richard Keyes? Is it is it somebody else saying that we expect too much? We demand, you know, oh the the fans make your life a misery up there. It's bullshit. I'm sick of it. And all Steve Bruce has done with that interview was fed into it. Now he might not have meant to, he might not have meant to, but he should be switched on and savvy enough to know that saying those things is going to get everybody's backs up. I don't think there was any need for that interview. I don't know what he was hoping to achieve by it. If he if he had to go online on on Talksport and say something, just say we're really pleased by safe. It was a great result against Leicester. The lads are, have done really well. We're chuffed for the fans. We can't wait to see everybody back in next season. I don't understand why he had to go down the road he did. It's a word I've written about countless times over the years. I hate it. It's one of those, you know, it is one of those uh, words I, I kind of have a visceral response response to. As you say, Teddy, you're spot on. There's, you know, the only, only expectation at Newcastle is that if things can go wrong, then they will go wrong. And it's it's been like that. It's been like that for a long time. At the same time, I think Bobby, so Bobby, in the book that I worked uh, with him for, he the way he expressed it was he said that the, that the kind of highs are higher at Newcastle and the lows are lower, and I, and I tend to agree with that. I think it's an emotional club with big emotional pulls, and when things are going well, as you say, Taylor, when there's that buy-in, it's an absolutely sort of magnificent sight and feeling. And when things go badly, it has the same feeling. It feels like it's the end of the world. I mean, I do think that those, I do think that kind of part of the cliche is right. But the expectation thing is nonsense. And, you know, Chris and I have, have written about the sort of Steve, Steve Bruce's language problem. The point is that he speaks like an outsider. And that is the thing that's sort of difficult. You know, there's there's, there's this, you know, sort of notion from outside. He's a Geordie, he just wants the best for the club. But he, he actually talks, he talks like an outsider sometimes in the use of, in the use of that sort of language. Oh, blimey, they, God, they expect so much up there, don't they? It's like, well, no, they, they expect better. They expect better than this version of the club or they hope for better than this version of the club. And I think that's okay. I don't think there's a, you know, I, I mean, the rest of what, what he said 
we sort of agree with but i mean the you know in terms of in terms of the last 14 15 years being in the bottom half of the premier league i mean the irony about that is that that's exactly the period of time that mike ashley's owned the club and before then it wasn't always like that <laughs> um so um you, you know so that so that's the sort of irony but yeah it's like well I think it's all right for people to want better football than's been played this season, by and large. It's okay to, you know, the, the team has been 17th and 16th and 17th for long periods this season. That's not, you know, that's not really acceptable. And he's at the epicentre of all this, and I know that's tough, I know it's not nice sometimes, and it's it's difficult, but it's like throwing it back onto the onto the fans when really he's in a position to make things better. I mean, that's his job. And you know, too often this season, it's not it's not happened. It hasn't, and it's it, you know I think there, there's been a bit of a late flurry at the end of the season, um, and 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 you know there's been some good feeling and stuff like that because we've we've won some games, we've picked up some points, but it's it it's it's papering over the cracks, isn't it? Of 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 what is essentially a really bad a really bad season of football, barely surviving, to me is nowhere near good enough, Chris. Uh, and I don't know how you feel about this, but. That's that's not enough for me. No, it's not enough. It shouldn't be enough for anyone. And then the idea, and it's that idea of it's of enough how, for Mike Ashley, though, isn't it? Well, it is. Yes, that that and that that is the problem that for Mike Ashley, that is, and as Steve Bruce said in, in December, that is his remit. That is essentially what, and that's why in April they decided they still thought Steve Bruce could keep Newcastle United up. And if he was going to manage to do that, then to them that would be to the hierarchy that was that was sufficient. That was acceptable. Um. I just think that it's it, it's also, I mean, it's the language that, that Bruce sort of uses when he talks about, you know, edging the club forward. And then when he says that Newcastle have been this, this bottom half team for so long. And, and I understand where he's come from because to, to, he's right. I mean, he's right that that's where they become. But it's, it's again, it's, it, it's sort of mirroring the, the, the vision of above is that there isn't, well, there is no vision. There is no, yeah. idea, that's where we've been. Why, why would you expect us to be any different? Is that, well, well, you were talking about top half last year and... As I say, I don't think that he meant it to be in in a sort of inflammatory way as he did. But the problem is that that, that sort of clumsy language, just all of the positivity that maybe built up over the last few weeks when the team was starting to play better. Friday night's brilliant result. It's just, I think there, I think the problem with Steve Bruce at the moment, and this is what I said during the international break, is I just think that there is a point now where it feels like it's reached the tipping point with supporters. And I, I think that there is always that moment where there may be small highs, but it's it's, it's going to fall back down again because he hasn't been able to connect with them, because he hasn't been able to to offer them a, a vision of, of what Steve Bruce's Newcastle United would look like in a positive sense. It always seems to be looking back. It always seems to be harking back to the fact this is what the club has been like but it's like, well, where we're we going to be in a year's time? Then what is it going to be like in two years' time? And he's two years into his into his uh, Newcastle United uh, tenure now. It should, Newcastle should be mirroring what Steve Bruce wants them to be, not just once in every fifteen games as they are at the minute when they play away at Leicester. It needs to be more regular than that, and you still can't see a definitive pattern there. Right, we'll uh, we'll move on slightly. Um, a new anti-competition lawsuit against the Premier League uh, launched this week. Uh, by Newcastle United, a statement from 
that, uh, a little quote from that, in reaching the director decision, the defendant failed to apply the rules in a fair, objective and non-discriminatory fashion and or used its powers under the rules for the improper purpose of promoting its own commercial interests and or the interests of its business associates and or certain of the Premier League members in a mama, mana, mama, in a manner that was, in a mamma mia, that was detrimental to competition and consumers. Seems Mike Ashley is uh, going to war with the Premier League, George. That's how it feels at the moment. Well, it's it's a new front in that war, isn't it? I mean, you're right. It's just it's it's um, it's hilarious in some ways. I mean, again, you know, we don't get this club. We don't we don't get the people at the top of the club speaking about anything unless it's about the Premier League when they use you know they use this sort of inflammatory language and and. You know, we're bat- batting for fans. You know, it's time. It's time fans had, um, you know, the club they deserved. All this, you know, this sense. And it's like, yeah, bother. Mike really. actually completely ignoring the fact that he's the only person who could have given us that in the last fifteen well, years. Yes, exactly. As if he's not had anything to do with the last fourteen, fifteen years. <laughs> it wasn't me, lads. Um, no, and you know, Chris's piece kind of goes into that. Goes into that. You know, brilliantly. If you're talking about sort of dark, dark forces looming over the football club it's been it's been one man um which is the sort of which is the kind of huge irony but yeah he's not letting it go i mean i spoke to spoke to people about this last week and the you know there was there was a sense of surprise that this was um perhaps started at the same time as arbitration as opposed to afterwards um but it it yeah it shows he's not he's not uh, he's not going to let it go whether it's actually pushing the takeover through or getting compensation uh loss of earnings all that kind of stuff you know he's determined he's determined to stick stick with it i mean you know that's admirable in some ways at the same time it just means that and this does kind of join up to 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 what steve bruce has said in that interview you know and all of that feeling around it that we're sort of having to get our heads around this being the case you know this being the situation at the club for the foreseeable future. So Newcastle have stayed up, that's great. But at the moment we're just looking forward to more of the you know, to kind of more of the same. And, you know, that's kind of difficult to you know, that's difficult to to take. You know, in terms of that quote about Newcastle being a powerhouse, I think the frustration is that there's been times, you know, in certainly in my living memory, when Newcastle have been that. We saw a glimpse in the Leicester game about the team that they could be. You know, going going to a team that's in the top four at the minute, taking them on as equals and and beating them, um, and that was you know that was kind of great and it was good fun, but it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen very often. the The thing is, you know, the thing is with Ashley, yes, it would be great to be a it would be great to be a powerhouse. It'd be great to be one of the richest, best, you know, biggest clubs in the division in terms of finances. But what ri- what I'd like is for Newcastle to be competitive. And for Newcastle to make the most of what they've got, and they've not done that. I mean, they've they've done the bare minimum. They haven't improved facilities. They haven't improved the stadium. They haven't improved the training ground. Things that, you know, things that would actually take a little bit of investment, but that would pay off over years and years and years and years. And it would not have been it would not have been impossible for Mike Ashley to do that. Fine, we can't go out. You know, as Steve Bruce said, they're not. We're not going to go out and break world transfer records anymore. But that's not the point. That's not the point. You can invest cleverly. You can invest cleverly on players. You know, Leicester are a good example of this, by the way. You know, you can you can be smart in terms of investment. You can be smart in terms of 
training ground and all those sorts of things. You can be smart in keeping fans on board by letting them buy into to what you're doing. And again, that's the sort of that's the frustration. They've not even they've not even done that. It shouldn't be an either or. You know, there's a way that Newcastle could be ambitious and competitive um, without without spending the earth. This is it. I mean, the, the club are in a position where really Ashley's obviously want, wanted out for a long time. And now it's it's a case of the fans are just sort of sitting here and waiting for some kind of takeover to, to come to fruition. But Ashley needs to remember, you know, in the meantime, he's still... He has to do the best that he can. He has to keep doing the right things. And then hopefully for the fans, the time will come when, when you know, we hit a new era. We we move on from Mike Ashley and and, and, and the club changes direction and, and, and we can actually get to where we want to be. Um, just to give a little bit of context, Chris, I'm going to come back to you in a second with this, but just to give a little context to this quote that's came out this week, because in case people haven't seen this, it was linked to uh, a statement which was released with regards to the HMRC investigation, which has now been dropped, uh, and actually released the statement. And in the statement, he stated, <laughs> it's very dramatic, this language, isn't it? It is now time for the dark forces that are preventing this football club from becoming the powerhouse that the fans deserve to step aside. Has he got scriptwriters working for him at the minute, Chris? Is that well? Th- this is what ridiculous, isn't so it? infuriated me, and I'm sure it did a lot of other sports. Is this is this portrayal of himself as if, he, if he's the fans' champion, as if he is? It's become a weird sort of quasi ally with some fans because he's, he's trying from to force him, isn't he? It's over. the Robin Hood but thing. It, That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> but he's actually, he's actually, he's actually and, and I nicked this one off George. But George said he's he's trying to be he, he's trying to be Robin Hood when actually he's been the sheriff of Nottingham for the last exactly. fourteen years. Yeah, he can't you can't be both. And it's a, to use the quote to, to use the term more annoying to me than dark forces powerhouse to say the fans deserve the fans deserve an owner and have deserved an owner for the last 14 years who gave a toss about them who tried exactly. to do something yeah. for them who's who listened to, to them. them yeah who, who listen and speak to them speak to them exactly who, who deserves to be spoken to about more than just this as i mentioned in the piece newcastle again the figures were released last week the furlough figures uh, for february newcastle again took between a hundred hundred thousand pound and two hundred fifty thousand pound for another month for furlough my understanding is that still staff filled Never has that been confirmed by the club. We've had the season ticket issues over the course of last week, which was almost uh, hidden behind because it was on the same day as all of this this came out. But on uh, the, the season ticket situation, it's brilliant that supporters are getting back and there was never going to be an ideal situation. It was always going to be people frustrated because they could only get 10,000 back in the stadium. But some fans who've taken money back out of the club because they needed to over the course of the last year for financial reasons have been penalised as a result of that and haven't been given the opportunity to go to Sheffield United next week yet uh, a lot of the corporate seats who, so, so many of whom have not paid anything over the course of last year have got the opportunity to go next week now th- things like that it's like th- there's no real explanation of that there there's no, there's, no, there's no communication about that beyond just a statement on the club website we haven't even heard Lee Charney saying how excited he is for fans to be back in the stadium or how much we look forward to welcoming supporters back it is infuriating and it is incendiary for Mike Ashley to try and do that to try and present it fair enough he may be trying to push through this takeover and although I think that that what's slightly different about this anti-competition tribunal as opposed to uh, arbitration is whereas arbitration is on behalf of Newcastle United this other case is on behalf of uh, St James's Holdings which is 
Mike Ashley's company. And so actually arbitration could push through and the takeover could happen. But the second one is also to try and get Mike Ashley, if he if the takeover doesn't happen, some compensation. So this is about Mike Ashley more than anything else, or at least that's my reading of the situation. And Matt Slater and I are going to write a piece on this at some stage, sort of looking at what the difference between the two of them are, why they can run concurrently. But it's just, it is infuriating that you have an owner who has the goal to come out and say that, communicates so little, and then puts out the statement like that and expects it that, that everyone is suddenly going to bow at his feet and think that he's the great saviour of Newcastle United. Anyway, that's the darkness finished with. The dark forces <laughs> are now done and dusted. Let's move on, chaps. It's time for the archives and a bit of light from yesteryear. Let's look back to May 1993. Newcastle United 7, Leicester City 1, Newcastle lifting the first division title. Here we go. It's the party at the park they've all been waiting for. St. James's is jumping and the Toon Army is ready for the grand finale to a sensational season. Good afternoon. Welcome to St. James's Park. An unbelievable atmosphere here with Sir John Hall there patting his magnificently successful managerial team of Terry McDermott and Kevin Keegan. Smiles all round. And these are the moments they'll treasure for the rest of their careers two trophies on show this afternoon the original football league first division championship trophy and of course the barclays trophy as well well it's 66 years since that first division championship trophy was at st james's park and the management team and the chairman applaud as the players come out kelly good save and call Drink to Andy Cole. Lee now for Cole, and now it's Robert Lee. 2 0, Robert Lee. Cole again gets it back, and Lee Clark looking for David Kelly. 3 0, David Kelly gets his goal. But here's Sellers, and Lee Clark, and Kelly. Kelly again. Superb finishing from David Kelly. Difficult bouncing ball there. Kelly got a lovely knockdown on it. And Cole, five. It's all going their way. They can do absolutely nothing wrong. Clark there. Sellers and Robinson. And Kelly, it's six. Unbelievable. David Kelly, the hat-trick. And now Lee Clark with a little bit of room. Anywhere near the amount of room before, but now it's Cole through the middle. Andy Cole, here we go again. Andy Cole gets his hat trick now. That's his second for Newcastle, and it's lucky seven. Oh my god, I don't have to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting listening to that with a massive smile on my face and getting a little bit, uh, a little bit emotional. Is it dusty in here, Chris, or is it me? <laughs> oh my god. 
I must. I keep bumping into um, Roger Thames, by the way, who doesn't live too far away from from me, and we have a chat. I love Roger, and uh, he listens to the podcast. So if he's listening to this, oh, hello, fantastic. Roger. And yes, we must get you on. We're going to get you on. Um, uh, so we must do that. But yeah, just great hearing his voice, and yeah, especially um, especially with that game. Wow. Yes, Chris. Never has a game of football been more of a party and a celebration than that, has it? Well, I can only assume that. I mean, I was I was at this point uh, like twenty one months twinkle. old. <laughs> yes, well, I was. I was, I was, I was, were, were you I was born there. by this point? Yeah, you were. I was born. I was, yeah, I was. I was. I was, I was born. But I have. It is. It is. It is one of those games that when you're brought up in this area, everyone talks about. And I have watched oh. over and over again the highlights of the match. And yeah, I mean, six nil half time was just absolutely extraordinary that they're, that they're rushed into to that lead and uh, I mean it could and possibly should have been more as well they were just absolutely dominant Absolutely and I mean hat tricks for Andy Cole and, and David Kelly who I must say as well David Kelly was my my first ever Newcastle United hero I absolutely loved him I worshipped the ground he walked on he was everything that I wanted in a footballer he was just I'd, I love the man so much. He's another person I would love to get on the podcast at some point and talk to him. Uh, David Kelly with a, a first half hat trick, hat trick for Andy Cole as well, and Rob Lee popping up with a goal as well. Like you say, Chris, six nil at half time. Absolutely, I've never seen anything like it before, and and, and just an astonishing atmosphere. Georgie, you were there that day. You were saying, 30,129 yeah, yeah. fans inside of St James's Park. I can only imagine the noise was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was my favourite season. I think if I had to name, if I had to name one, it'd be like that one, ninety three, ninety four. But that was the it was the season I I came back from college and um, I just you know just remember sort of the feeling in Newcastle the summer of ninety two and and you know the buzz that there was about the team staying up under Keegan and then sort of looking forward to what sort of happened next. And for the first half of that, I mean, I went to every home game and. First half of that season, I would go with my mate Andy, and we were queuing up. We were queuing up for ninety minutes to get in to make sure of getting in, and we would sometimes be first in the queue to do that. But, and then we were on the Gallagher end. So many memories of that. Turning around, feeling this sort of warmth on the back of my leg once, and turning around and seeing this like wizened old bloke pissing into a Max Pax coffee cup, which was absolutely <laughs> fucking tiny. And he was pissing into this cup, and it was just spilling over the side. It's like, what? Why? Why are you bothering with the cup? <laughs> um, and you know, being moved up and down the, being moved up and down the end when goals went in and stuff like that was brilliant. And oh, then, brilliant. sort of, I can't remember when it was, but halfway through or two thirds of the way through, suddenly, having to having to find money to get a half season ticket to, to make sure that we could get in, and then moved moved yeah. around the stadium. And it was just, it was just brilliant. It was just absolutely brilliant. The whole place was like, and yeah, you could. I mean, that was. It was Kelly's last game, wasn't it? And it was Peacock's, Gavin Peacock's last game. That's I right. love both of those players. He played such an integral part um, for the team that season. And yeah. you know, yeah, Andy Cole scoring, scoring a hat trick, a sign of that that feeling of a team developing and 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 kind of moving on and stuff like that. And of course, at the end of it. You know, sort of when 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 the team did the um, bus tour and, and the and went to the civic oh, centre and stuff like that, and I Keegan was there saying, that night. you know, yeah, and Keegan I saying, was there that night as a ten year old, tell tell Fergie that we're coming after him, and you know, and then doing it, and uh, yeah, it was just Indeed. brilliant. It was just an absolutely fantastic, fantastic end to just a perfect season, and the football, you know, it was different to when Les came in and. Um, 
it was sort of because they had these busy players it was sort of it was all like little one touch um sort of triangles of passing it everybody was, yeah. was really everybody was really good on the ball anyway yeah. but it was a lot of you know through little through balls things like that it was just it was just great to watch i loved it yeah there was some incredibly shrewd business in the transfer market from Keegan that year, wasn't it? Rob Lee came in, obviously. Barry Venison, uh, who we've spoken about before. Scott yeah. Sellers, Brian Kilkline, Paul Bracewell. And and probably the best signing of all was, was Andy Cole coming in, in the second half of the season and, and scoring all those goals that he did and firing us to the to the title. Like I said, I was 10 years old at the time and it was the it was the year that I probably fell in love with, with Newcastle United. It, it was the year that I realised what it meant to feel like when you had your team, you know, when you found your team, because up to that yeah. point, I hadn't, I didn't have my team. And then I found Newcastle United and that was my team. And that, the, the, the feeling on that, on that day um, and all through that season as well, like you, George, I, I queued up with my uncle and my cousin in the first five or six home games. And then we just couldn't get near it. it, it we just yeah. couldn't get in. And at the time, you know, I couldn't, couldn't afford season tickets and stuff like that. So it was, it was very difficult to watch the games live. We went up that day to try and get in against Leicester and we couldn't get in um, and ended up coming home and watching it on the TV. And it was just, it was just amazing. For me, the, the, you know, as a 10-year-old as a fan, seeing them come out in that new kit with the blue star on the front, the yeah. Essex kit and the big black, uh, the big white number on the back. Oh man, the, the just the hairs on the back of the net. The sky was the limit for Newcastle at the time, wasn't it? The achievements could have could have been anything. It was it was well, just a brilliant yeah, yeah. brilliant time. And, you know, we've se- we've seen the last few weeks the whole thing about the Super League and and the Big Six and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this was a time when you had an insurgent team coming up, and yeah, there was investment behind them and and things like that. But really, it was momentum. I mean, that's what they had. They had momentum. And, you know, this is why, you know, it's one of the reasons why our pyramid is so important and so vital and so good that um, that we have that competition. And Newcastle came up and rocked, rocked the establishment. And, um, you know, just so good. Yeah, so good. I mean, I was talking at the start about Leeds and going there and sort of seeing that embodiment, you know, as an outsider. I'm talking as an outsider, but if I, you know, the, the qualities that I'd always associate with Leeds, I think Bielsa has got has got in this current version it's a modern version of Leeds you know they're not dirty it's not this isn't they're not a dirty team dirty dirty Leeds but they're aggressive and they're in your face and all that well that's this is the you know that Newcastle was the version of Newcastle I'll always come back to that somehow you know that represents us it's 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 ambitious it's forward thinking it's adventurous it's attacking it's you know it's the noise of St James's Park it's that it's that thing and I'll you know it's 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 difficult to compare anything else to it after you know once it stopped happening but I just I you know that that's what Newcastle Absolutely. will always mean will always mean to me and at the risk of sounding like a massive uh, a massive fan girl David Kelly if you are out there and you do hear this by any chance let's go for a pint you were my first Newcastle <laughs> hero you were my first Newcastle autograph and I would very dearly love to give you a big fat hug there we go Newcastle United 7, Leicester City 1, 9th of May 1993, Newcastle taking the league title. Right, we're going to move on, and last this week is the quiz, and it is hosted by 13-year-old Christopher Waffles from Newcastle, who wrote in uh, to ask me if he could host the quiz this week. He's a big fan of the podcast, he listens every week. Uh, He says he doesn't like that George bloke, though he sounds a bit grumpy at times, and he should just get on with the quiz instead of being miserable. Chris? It's a bit harsh. Yes. Well, I spent all my time <laughs> writing that note to you rather than spending time on the quiz. So that's why this is a, all a bit 
half asked. Um, but the, I had thought about doing a Dark Forces quiz, and then I just couldn't figure out how I was going to do it. I had thought about trying to do an anagram and things like that, and it just wasn't going to work. So all the thought that I put into Fart that doses. is... All the failed thought I put into that have not gone in this. But anyway, I want to take us into the centre of Newcastle, down by the quayside, to the Red House. Uh, oh, we are sitting... Yes. Having a pie with some mash and some uh, some gravy, a wonderful selection of pies there. If you've ever, if you've you never been, definitely recommend it. Some lovely ale, and uh, yes, we've just finished. Just uh, just about rather than George fall asleep in the corner after his after his dinner, he's gonna he's gonna take part in the quiz, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> well, we'll see about that, Chris. Um, so <laughs> part's a bit strong, isn't it? So, after all that I said earlier about um, getting carried away, well, Newcastle won against Leicester City on Friday, so let's get carried away and suggest that they're going to win again on Friday against Manchester City, and let's look back at the last time Newcastle United beat Manchester City, which was on the 29th of January 2019, arguably the most impressive win of the Rafa Benitez era, Uh, and in penalty shootout style, I'd like you to name the Newcastle United starting 11 that night, please. George, do you want to be heads or tails? What year was this, Chris? 2019. 2019? January 2019. Did you say Rafa Benitez? Uh, I'll say heads. Rafa Benitez, yeah. 2019. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> yes. So your heads, yeah. George, did you? Yeah. Heads it is. And do you I was want about, to... I was going to say that was the season that... Yeah, no, I can't give clues away, can I? Well, I mean, you can if you want to, but it might be... No, 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 I don't want to give clues away. Uh, So, George, do you want to go first or second? I'll I'll go first. Right. Go on, then. What am I doing? Uh, Name and the start. I want the start in 11. (sighs) Okay, Dubravka. I know he played. Dubravka did play indeed. Correct. 1-0, George. Uh, Jamal Lascelles must have played. Jamal Lascelles did play 1-1. Salomon Rondon. Salomon Rondon did play. He also scored. He did indeed. Um, Scored in the 66th minute to equalise. And Matt Ritchie scored the other goal. So it was a penalty. Matt Ritchie did score the other goal, yes. Uh, Penalty, the winner. It was after Aguero Uh, scored in the very first minute. Newcastle were behind after 30 seconds or so. Right, Right, so 2-2. A Jose Perez. A Jose Perez is correct. Three two yep. to George. Oh, my dinger's fucked. <laughs> what on, was sorry. that? Your dinger's fucked. There we go. <laughs> oh, I know a good doctor can sort that out, George. Um, um, let's have a think. Um, that end of that season would have been when um, Sean Longstaff was playing a few games, wasn't he? Would Would Sean Longstaff be? One of those players, Chris? Sean Longstaff was indeed midfield, yes. 3-3. And he was playing very impressively alongside, guess who? Isaac Hayden. Isaac, lovely Isaac. That was their best. I'm I'm kind of assuming that they played together in this game. But yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. They did indeed, George, yes. 4-3 to George. Ooh, doing well so far. Well, this isn't very long ago. Yes, I know. Well, that's why I thought you might have a chance on this one. I've got a pretty good memory of this, to be honest. Um, well, you couldn't even remember the game before. No, no. I, I, it was just because when you said 2019, I thought, was was Rafa Benitez still here in 2019? And yes, yeah. he was. Um, <clears throat> oh, God, I can't remember who's been said now. Um, 
So George is winning 4-3, so seven players are gone. There are still three defenders and a winger. Right, okay. Um, Fabian Scher. Correct. Fabian Scher, please. Is that where you were going uh, next, George? Um, yeah, well, I think four, four, well, it was pressure. City, wasn't it? So he did play through at the back. Um so I think Lejeune must have played, did he? Oh God, he might not have. Though. Correct. He played. Oh, okay. Correct. Doing anything. Right. Whoa, that wasn't his answer there, by oh, the way. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, oh, oh hey, Chris, <laughs> come on, get control of the situation here. You've lost the game. I'm never already. in. I'm never in control. Well, I was thinking Fernandez. There was Fernandez as well, but Lejeune, yeah. yeah. I'm not having but... that. Right. Okay. So I'm stopped, we've got I'm two left then. Two left. Yep. What is it? If is it's it five fives five? each, if it's fives each, I've got it. Sudden I've got death. it. Then I've got a question. I've got a sudden death question. Yeah. Um. Oh God. Oh. Uh, Yedlin. Oh, DeAndre sorry. Yedlin. Correct. DeAndre yes. Yedlin was a right wing back. Now this isn't this isn't for the quiz, but do, can you between you get the who the see if we can get full marks? Do you know who the eleventh player was? What did you did you say it was a winger? It's a winger, yes. Winger slash forward. You have a winger. It'll uh, be. It'll have to be. What? Um, so hang on. So it was. It was three. It was three at the back, wasn't it? And so you had. Yeah. Was was Richie playing on one side and Yedlin? Richie on was the wing other. back and Yedlin on the other side. Yeah. So it was a, so it was a forward. Well, the, what I was going to say was the interesting thing about that night was um, that was the night that. Um, Almiron signed officially as well, and the club oh, wanted right, yeah. uh, the club wanted Rafa to announce it immediately beforehand to kind of take take uh, take the pressure off. He's talked about that kind of quite fun, funnily um, to sort of take the pressure off them and all that um, kind of thing because there was a bit of pressure. Well, there's always pressure around the hierarchy, but all that was going on at the same time, wasn't it? Um, and then there was no expectation that we were going to, sorry to use that word, um, that we were going to win, but then we obviously did. And the the end of that season was really, really good. I can't think. It's Christian Atsu, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. Christian Atsu, there is your, yeah. your 11. It doesn't matter player. though, because the, it was a 5-5, George. It was 5-5, five, five, but I do have, so there is a tie break. Kennedy was still there, wasn't he, at that point? But he was so... He Kennedy, was so yes. Poor. So the bench, the bench was Freddie Woodman. Kieran Clark, Kennedy, Federico Fernandez, Jacob Murphy, Javier Manquillo, and number thirty-seven, Cal Roberts, I believe. Cal Roberts, yeah. When you yeah, compare definitely. that to, to Man City's bench, I'd imagine it's a bit of a difference. Well, yes, very much so. I mean, that was that was quite a match. Yeah, Aguero scored after like 20, 20 odd seconds, but the, yeah. that was the amazing thing about that night. They did not panic as well. They still stuck no. to the game plan. Benitez had, and 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 yeah. they, again, they were very very good on the counter attack and took their opportunities. Quite late, the goals as well, weren't they? From what I remember, yeah, it was second half. I think Richie's goal was, Richie's... was the last ten minutes, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think Rondon Ron sixty six, Richie eighty. So. Um, because Longstaff won the penalty as well. He got fouled by, I think it was Fernandinho. He got him behind him, nicked mm. the ball. Um, but anyway, so tie-break question. Come on then, Chris. Come on. So that was a momentous victory for Newcastle, not only because Manchester City were the defending Premier League champions, but also because Newcastle's record against Manchester City was abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> How many league games had Manchester City gone unbeaten <sighs> against Newcastle before that victory? So I want the closest two between the two of you. 
Um, so how many league games had Manchester City gone and beaten no against idea. Newcastle before that victory? Uh, who's going to go Four. first? Um, I don't know, 18? Fourteen. I'm afraid Taylor wins it. Twenty-two. They're drawn three Jesus and lost nineteen of the previous does. twenty-two games in the league. Well, there you go. Hey, George, come on now. You, you first. Was I, it was the first time they beat them since really September good. 2005 in the Premier League. Wow. There we go. Well, what a what a what a face-off that was, George. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm right on the edge of my seat here. Like that was amazing. Wow. Just come angry. down from I'm the. Feeling very angry, Taylor. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> well, you're doing the quiz next week, George. So you've got your your chance I'm to get me bin, and Chris I'm back. I'm bidding this quiz off. I'm sick of it. Or I'm going to be. I'm just going to do the questions every week. I'm sick of this. I I'm want to change it. I'm changing it. Or I might change. You want the to be the quiz master every week, George, so you don't have to answer questions. I might just, have just do. Waffles. I'm going to move on to the Leeds podcast. <laughs> You'll be back with your tail between your legs within a week. You watch. Well, there we go. Thanks for that, Chris. That was a lovely quiz. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, as I say, very half-arsed, but uh, but but well yeah, done just, to both. Just just well eleven done. people who played in a team two years ago. I think it's minimal minimal research from Chris there. <laughs> well, there we go. Well, let's wrap it up, chaps. Thank you very much for your time, uh, and thank you, you lot out there, for listening as well. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes and visit theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for 40% off the full price of subscription Uh, until next time take care and thanks for listening to pod on the time see you later Listen to that music. If the next voice I hear isn't Roger Thames, I'm going to be very upset. It's the party at the park they've all been waiting for. St. James's is jumping and the Toon Army is ready for the grand finale to a sensational season. Good afternoon. Yes. There he is. <laughs> the Athletic. <laughs>